much more intense. I'm a member of your Board of Trustees, and it is my honor to welcome you to worship this morning at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. As we begin, we honor the Piscataway people and their ancestors. It is upon their land that we reside. We are served by the Reverend Paige Getty Minister and by our very talented and dedicated team of religious educators, musicians, and other professional staff. Thank you all. Much appreciation also goes out to our many lay leaders and volunteers. Your incredible efforts and dedication help keep us connected. Whoever you are, Wherever you're from, whoever you love, and whatever your faith tradition, you are welcome here. You particularly welcome any guests joining us this morning, either in person or online, and we encourage you to fill out the visitors form in the lobby or um, online and connect with others after the service so we have a chance to meet and welcome you. And finally, for those attending the service this morning at the Inner Brown Interface Center, please take a moment now to silence your cell phone and other electronic devices. We have a number of announcements this morning. It's going to be a busy week. First off, the Board of Trustees had our monthly meeting last Tuesday and approved two motions for this coming year. First off, to engage with Unity Consulting to assist our congregation in reviewing and updating our values, missions, and end statements. And secondly, to contract for an independent financial review of UUCC finances for fiscal year 2021-22. This had been delayed due to financial constraints. This morning, uh, we continue UUCC's six-week drop-in style newcomer class series. It's 11.30 today in the music room downstairs. This series is a great way to get connected with others and learn more about UUCC and Unitarian Universalism. We invite you to join us for today's class with staff member Sarah Davidson for a discussion on membership. Last month, our seasoned soul group met on the patio for a bring your own bag lunch and the best turnout we've seen in three years. So we're looking forward to doing it again this month. You're all invited to bring a bag lunch and join us this Thursday from noon to one on the patio. Staff are also invited, and last month, Reverend Page, Hannah, Valerie, and Sarah all attended. 
Join Reverend Page and Colin Gellix this Saturday from 9.30 to 12.30 to learn how you can serve as a worship associate. If you love worship and you're not paralyzed by the thought of speaking to larger audiences, you're interested in contributing once a month or two to a Sunday service in this way, and you've always wanted to ring the bell this is, at the services, this is your chance. This is it. We'll cover all the details in the training, what it means to be the God of the gaps, what to do or not to do at the mic, how to work with a guest speaker, and much more. We look forward to seeing you at the training. And if you'd love to serve the community in this way, but cannot attend, please let Reverend Page or Colette know and they will reach out to you. Chalice Concerts returns this Saturday evening with a very talented pianist and musical director, Michael Adcock, presenting a concert of shorter works for the keyboard entitled The Art of the Salon Piece for Piano and Other Trifles. Tickets are available online or at the door. And for this morning's prelude, Michael will play a sample of a short week work by Leopold Godowski entitled Alt Vienna, or Old Vienna. Enjoy. And finally, a reminder that your auction team continues to gratefully invite and accept your donations for this year's auction, which will happen Saturday, November 12th. Whether you're looking to host a dinner, a kid's play date, activity event, or to clear out some quality, good condition items ready for a new home, the team is happy to receive your donation. Visit the auction webpage to make your donation, and also note that the, the bidder registration will be opening very soon. And now a special announcement from UUC member Robin Hesse regarding our reflections groups. Robin? Okay, everyone, you are in luck because the reflections groups are starting up again this month, and you are welcome and encouraged to join us. We all need to feel connected because, in the words of Brene Brown, Connection is the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when they give and receive without judgment, and when they derive sustenance and strength from relationship. So come, sign up for one of the reflection sessions and get to know others in the congregation more deeply as you discuss thought-provoking and inspiring topics. For instance, the next two months, one of the topics will be change, and one of them will be courage. You can go to the UUCC website and look under Programs, Lifespan, Religious Education. We have morning, afternoon, and evening sessions, and they're about two hours long um, and about 10 or 12 people in each. Um, we meet once a month. Um, most groups meet on Zoom for now, and one group meets in person. Do it today because sessions start soon. Get to know your fellow UUCC members and feel more connected and at home. Reflections groups.
Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Robin. Thank you, Jim. Good morning, everyone. My name is Paige Getty. I use the pronouns she, her, and hers, and it is my great honor to be with you this morning and to serve as minister of this congregation. For those of you here in the room, if you're having trouble hearing, we encourage you to use a hearing assist device, which is available from the tech booth in the back, so please don't hesitate to ask for that. Everybody can follow along in the order of service on their own mobile device by using the QR code that's going to appear on the screen or the URL that's probably in the Zoom chat. We, um, we have been limiting the number of things we print in the room on Sundays. If you're a guest today and haven't already completed a visitor form, we hope you'll choose to do that either online or in the lobby so that we can stay in touch with one another throughout the week. And please do remember that we honor personal joys and sorrows that are shared either by email, sent to joysandsorrows at uucolumbia.net, or written in the Joys and Sorrows book that's at the back of the sanctuary. And that ritual is going to happen pretty early in the service today, so go ahead and get those in if you have anything that you want to have spoken on your behalf. A big word of thanks, you're going to be seeing and hearing from a lot of different people in the service this morning, and then there are a whole bunch of others that are working behind the scenes. So thank you to everyone who makes worship happen every Sunday. So today is, well, today is Sunday. What I was going to say is that general election is coming up in just over three weeks, and early voting in Maryland starts in just 11 days. So in today's service, we are going to look at how important it is for all of us to participate. Not only once every four years in presidential elections that get a lot of attention and money, but also in these midterm elections, in the state elections, in the local elections that happen every year, like those for the Columbia Association and Village Board representatives, and how important it is that we make informed choices all the way down the ballot for Board of Education and Circuit Court and all of the referenda and questions that appear on our ballots. Democracy, as one member of our faith community reminds me regularly, is not a spectator sport. And I know some would argue that talk of politics and elections does not belong in worship and perhaps not in faith institutions at all. But our Unitarian Universalist tradition is quite clear that our faith calls us to be fully engaged as members of our democracy, not just on an election day, but by participating in all of the ways that we can, interacting with leaders and decision makers, reminding them that the religious people in their constituencies are not monolithically conservative, and so on. So today, we are honoring the sacred connection between our religious values and our political activity. So let us settle in and open ourselves in mind and body and spirit to this worship experience. Ezra, are you ready to come forward and help me? 
This morning, we're going to be dedicating Jude into our faith community, and his big brother, Ezra, is going to light our chalice. Come on up. Press the button. There you go. Thank you, Ezra. <laughs> Jude, it'll be your turn someday soon, I promise. This morning, we dedicate this flaming chalice with the words of Luke Stevens Royer, who wrote this poem titled Prayer Ballot for the presidential election in 2016. I walk in as on pilgrimage. The altar cloths are red, white, and blue. The ushers are the women who have been running these things, who have been running everything since before I was born. I'm handed the ballot like a scroll because the questions seem that important, ancient and modern, of what my God and country ask of me. Who? Who for commissioner, mayor, president? Who for District 8, Ward 7, school board? Who will do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly? I make my mark with at least a shred of hope that something good will come from this. And regardless, I remember, the world won't be destroyed entirely by this. The world won't be saved entirely by this. Marking my vote is like kneeling in prayer because neither will accomplish anything right away. But the purpose of both is to remind me of my deepest hope for the world that I'm trying to help create. So I rise from prayer and I turn in my ballot and remember the who is me and us, and we the people. And again, I set to the task that is mine, justice, mercy, humble service in my small corner of the world. Will you now rise in body or in spirit? We're going to speak together the words of our congregational covenant as we remind ourselves of these promises that bind us together as a community. And then I'm going to invite you to turn to your neighbors and say good morning. Strengthened by our common humanity and inspired by our seven principles, we promise to be a safe and welcoming community, to nurture each other's hearts and spirits, to delight in the beauty of our diversity, to struggle together on our spiritual values and to challenge each other to live our values. Thus, we pledge our time and vigor to the continuing celebration of spirit, of the world, and of humankind. Will you turn and greet your neighbors and welcome one another into this space?
From the beginning of time, parents have brought their children to houses of worship for dedication. They bring them in reverence for the mystery of life manifest in the miracle of reproduction and birth. We perform a dedication ceremony publicly to declare that all of us, parents and congregation, are responsible for the care and development of our children, sharing with them our values, our our ideals, our hopes, and giving them a world of peace and justice in which to grow. Today, we are so honored for Jessica Belden and Jeremy Ray to bring their child, Jude William, to us for dedication. So Ezra and Jude and Jeremy and Jess, will you please come forward? We're going to ask you to stand close to the step, which is where the light is the best. And Nicole and Patrick are joining us remotely. Nicole and Patrick Belden, welcome. And I'm very pleased that Kelly Daniker, our religious education assistant, is also joining us in conducting this dedication today. Thank you, Kelly. This is a special occasion not only for Jude's family, but for everyone gathered in worship today. Adults in the congregation, will you welcome Jude into our community and pledge that you will help create a community in which he can grow spiritually and be most fully who he can be? If so, please say, we will. will. Will the children and young people of our congregation please stand? You might not know Jude yet. He's still pretty little. But as he gets older, we hope that he'll be here most Sundays like you are. And so all of you will be his guides and companions in the years ahead. Remember how important you are and will always be to him as playmates and as friends. Will you welcome Jude, help him when he needs it, and be a good example so that he too will be a proud Unitarian Universalist? If you're willing to give your best to this effort, would you please all say yes? Yes. Jeremy and Jess. On you rests the very special duty and privilege of nurturing this child. Do you pledge to Jude your loyalty and love as he grows? Will you endeavor to be wise examples that he may follow? And will you promise to support him in his free choice of religious faith when the time comes? If so, please say we do. We do. And now for Uncle Patrick and Aunt Nicole. There they are. Hi, Nicole. (laughs) Hi, Patrick. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Nicole and Patrick, Jude's parents have chosen you to play a special role in Jude's life, not only in nurturing him and offering your love and your loyalty and your wisdom, but also in making a unique commitment to Jude's care in the event that his parents need your special support. So we ask you now before this gathering, do you accept the responsibilities of God parenting and pledge yourself to care for and nurture Jude throughout his life? If so, please say we do. We do. Thank you. 
In this dedication ritual, I will anoint Jude with water. Water, which is the symbol of purity and of life. This water is also a symbol of this particular religious community because we use a tiny little bit of water from our annual water ceremony. We also give Jude a budding rose, which I want to be sure the thorns are, thorns are removed from. <laughs> I, I think I was thorough with that. This rose is a symbol of unfolding life, of love. It's a symbol of the better world we would give Jude if we could. And it's a symbol of the beauty, which is always at the center of goodness and truth. Jude, I touch your head that you might be wise, your lips that you might learn to speak the truth, your heart that you will learn to love deeply, your hands that you will learn to serve others, and I also touch your parents. May they always show you how deeply you are loved. Welcome, Jude, to the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. As we all live in this world beyond these walls, may we be inspired by the spirit of this dedication ceremony dedicated to giving Jude and Ezra and all children in the world a world in which they know the promise of divine love and of peace. Amen. Will you again rise in body or in spirit? We're going to sing that beloved Unitarian Universalist hymn, Spirit of Life. We'll sing it two times.
Good morning. My name is Kelly Daniker. My pronouns are she and hers, and it is my joy to serve as the religious education assistant at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. Yep, I'm going to invite all the kids to come on down. And if you're a kid and you have an opinion, I especially want you to come down today. All opinions welcome. <laughs> yes, bring your opinions on down. <laughs> Former First Lady Michelle Obama once said, here's the problem. While some folks are frustrated and tuned out and staying home at election day, trust me, other folks are showing up. Democracy continues with or without you. So I'm sure many of you know that we have some elections coming up. Do any of you know what an election is? What is an election? I saw your hand first. What's an election? So Lucas said it's when you choose certain people to do big things. That's a great definition. Did you have another um, way of saying it? Um, so you vote, and then you see who has the most votes, right? And that person gets the job. What did you want to say? Did you just... Um, what was that? Do you know what she said? Oh, we could talk about that one later. So, in our upcoming elections, we're going to be deciding who's going to represent us in Congress. Congress. We're going to make decisions about who is going to lead states as governor. And these big elections get a lot of attention. But next month, alongside those more well-known elections, we're also going to be deciding who's going to represent us at the local level who will represent us on our school boards and our city councils and our local associations. All elections matter. Throughout history, major political movements have begun at the state and local level. Policies such as women's suffrage, minimum wage, environmental protection, and marriage equality all began at the local level. So I thought we would get a little practice in voting this morning. So voting's about gathering some information and making a decision. So you have a choice this morning. You're going to vote between stickers or lollipops. Ah, oh, so raise your hand silently if you would rather have stickers. Who would rather have stickers? So we have one, two, three, anybody else? Four, five stickers. And Amelia's gonna take our tally. So we have five stickers. How many of you vote for lollipops? Oh, interesting. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. For, now, those of you who voted for stickers, who are you again? Raise your hand. Why would you prefer stickers? Why do you want stickers? Because they, they last longer, she says. Interesting, that's good. Anybody else know why? Why did you say stickers? So you can put on your face, so humor. She wants to put it on her face and spread some joy. That's excellent. Those of you who voted lollipop, raise your hand. Um, tell me, who haven't I talked to? Why did you vote lollipop? Oh, we have to listen. Why did you vote for lollipops? 
They give you more energy, he said. Lollipop, nice. Stephen Brown, why did you vote for lollipop? Because they're food. I feel that, Stephen. All right, one more. Why did you vote lollipop? Because they taste good, right? Now, you've heard everybody's case for their chosen uh, lollipop or sticker. Now we're going to vote one more time. Did you change your mind? Did anything you heard change your mind about your vote? I see you giving it some thought. So let's vote one more time. If you vote for stickers, raise your hand. Oh, so we have one, two, three. Looks like we had a defector. Four for sticker five. There we go. And once again, lollipops. <laughs> so, it, oh, we have somebody back. Number eight's voting lollipops. You, I appreciate you, sir. I appreciate that. So, it looks like lollipops have won this morning. But win or lose, you have the right to have your voice heard. You have a responsibility to speak out, to stand up, and try and affect change. Your voice matters, whether you're voting in presidential elections or for lollipops and stickers. As American lawyer and associate justice of the Supreme Court, Louis Brandeis once said, the most important office, and the one which we should all fill, is that of private citizen. So if you will follow me, I will make sure you get a lollipop. And will you all please join me in singing our children to class? So it is our custom in our congregation each week not only to give voice to personal joys and sorrows that are shared within our community, but also to honor them with this embodied ritual where we place a pebble into a communal bowl of, sorry, a communal bowl of water to symbolize the way that each individual life ripples out and touches us in this community. So we have a number of things that have been offered for our loving care. And so I invite you to listen. And one more, this for you and all that you're holding on your heart at this time, even without words. And thank you, Michael. I invite you now into a prayerful, reflective space when the music meditation begins, if those of you in the sanctuary would like to come forward and honor your joys and sorrows in silence with pebbles and water, you may do that. But let's share a moment of prayer and reflection. Spirit of life, of love, God of our hearts, may we be held in a loving, encouraging, courageous embrace as we grieve, as we remember, as we heal, as we laugh, as we cry.
May we have the strength, the passion, the energy that we need to do our part in this world, to bring justice and healing and hope and love. Amen. Blessed be. To celebrate and explore further these questions of participating, especially in our local democracy, we're going to hear from several members of the congregation this morning. So many thanks to Ken Rock and Jenny Bonilla and Amy Brooks and Gail Holm um, and for their contributions. I'm going to invite Ken to come on up, and we're going to hear first from him. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Ken Rock, and my pronouns are he and him. 
The Liberty Act was passed on a vote of four to one by the Howard County Council and signed into law by County Executive Calvin Ball in December of 2020. This law prohibits county employees from asking about or discriminating against anyone regarding their immigration status, requires that information about citizenship be kept confidential, and unless required by federal law, prohibits police from enforcing federal immigration law. A group formed in 2021 to oppose the law, representing a minority of county residents and supported by outside resources. They managed to get enough signatures to put a referendum on the ballot. As question A, local referendum by petition, CB 63-2020, county resources-federal immigration. I know it's a mouthful. A vote for the law on question A will uphold the Liberty Act. So why should we support the Liberty Act? It was passed by a majority vote of the council and represents the will of the voters. It reflects Howard County's pride in our diverse community and our desire to be a safe and welcoming place to live. It protects the safety and the right to privacy of all county residents, including documented and undocumented immigrants. When immigrants feel protected, they are more likely to report crimes and, report and cooperate with the police, making everyone safer. Undocumented immigrants work and pay taxes, but are ineligible for many benefits. We allow undocumented immigrants to work, especially doing jobs others don't want to do. We benefit from the work they do every day. Finally, immigration is a human rights issue as many people come here to escape war, oppression, poverty, and the devastation of climate change. Many of our ancestors came here for the same reasons. Unfortunately, the presence of question A on the ballot has not received much attention, and many, many people are unaware of it. The confusing language of the question makes it even more important that voters be educated about it and not see it for the first time on their ballots. There are several ways you can help. If you are a registered voter in Howard County, vote for the law on question A. Talk to your family members, your friends, and your neighbors about question A and why they should vote for it. Post about it on your social media. On Twitter, use hashtag vote for question A. You can see my post in Realm with links to a video, a talking points memo, and a flyer you can use. And you can see me or contact me at vote at uucolumbia.net about other actions you can take. Presently, there are text banking and postcard writing efforts underway uh, for the Liberty Act. There isn't much time. Election day is three weeks from Tuesday. Early voting starts two weeks from Thursday. And most people who requested a mail ballot already have them and are sending them in. Vote your UU values and vote for the law on question A, Save the Liberty Act. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Jenny Bonilla. My pronouns are she and her. And I wanted to talk to you about it really is happening here. In my, I'm in my 13th year at Cradle Rock Elementary, which is right across the field here. And again, sitting on the PTA executive board, 
after a plea for we need people or we lose our charter. It's the same place I found myself 13 years earlier upon coming to the school, and this year in our Board of Ed election, we are in the same place. Except this year, we are pushing it back against a very vocal and, in my view, extremist groups that are using scare tactics and extreme rhetoric to move forward an agenda that encourages the banning of books, placing police back in middle schools, and preventing unnecessary redistricting. This Board of Ed election has become about fear. Fear of school shootings, child safety, pornography, and maintaining community. All the dog whistles against the equity platform of our superintendent and the mission for inclusion the schools have. Inclusion like restorative justice, so that students can resolve conflicts among themselves and with faculty. You want to know more? Ask me about Athelton High School's production of Hairspray and the essential work that happened around that play at the school. School safety. Ask me how the most recent swatting at River Hill High School twice, resulting in an appropriate response by Howard County Police Department and the SWAT bomb squad, has been traced to a point of origin outside of the United States and connected to other false calls in other states. Ask me about rainbow advisors and inclusive signage in all schools and the back-to-school nights that supports and recognizes our LGBTQIA youth by doing the appropriate advocacy and welcoming of those students and their families, and how this is being used as an example of our schools grooming children for abuse and endangering children by proximity to indecent people. Ask me about the new high school being built and the high school in our neighborhood that hasn't been renovated for 50, that's right, 50 years, and why Howard County residents are pushing back against this because the area where these things are taking place have a broad socioeconomic and racial mix that will infringe upon other parts of the county's property values and hard paid for exclusivity. Make no mistake, this election is about human rights, equity, dignity, and the fight against fear. And with the schools receiving more than 50% of the county budget, it is essential that every Howard County resident vote and that they vote from the smallest office to the largest. And yes, what you are seeing in other parts of the country and on a national scale, is really happening here too. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Ken. I'm very pleased to welcome Vicki and Scott Beck back to the chancel to offer special music this morning. Thank you for bringing your love and your music. They say it's a river that circles the earth, a beam of light shining to the edge of the universe. It conquers all, it changes everything. 
They say it's a blessing, they say it's a gift, they say it's a miracle, and I believe that it is. It conquers all, but it's a mystery. Love breaks your heart. Love takes no less than everything. Love makes it hard. And it fades away so easily. In this world we've created, in this place that we live, in the blink of an eye, babe, the darkness slips in. Love lights the world. For eternity Love breaks the chains Love aches for every one of us Love takes the tears and the pain And it turns it into the beauty that remains Look at this place it was paradise, but now it's dying. I'll pray for love. If it's not too late. and my pronouns are she, her, hers. Why would anyone run for office? <laughs> I decided to run for statewide office this year for many reasons. One reason is that I believe our representative governing bodies should mirror the diversity in our communities. On a related note, we currently have eight men in Congress and two men in the US Senate representing the entire state of Maryland in Washington, DC. Zero women. 
Representation goes beyond race and gender. It also includes age, identity, and experience. As a woman, non-Christian, mother of school-aged children, and a public school teacher, I felt I could bring a perspective to the Maryland House of Delegates that is not currently prevalent. One of my most unique qualities is that I'm not a lawyer or a career politician. I'm not even lawyer or politician adjacent. <laughs> Prior to this election cycle, I was only a citizen who voted and would occasionally put out a yard sign. I was warned it was a lot of work, and it was. I was told I needed thick skin and determination. Turns out I've got both. I was told I'd probably lose in the primary, and I did. After everything, I have no regrets and several insights. Even though I didn't win this time, running for office gave me a glimpse into our democracy. After knocking on thousands of doors, it's abundantly clear that people care about their community and the laws that are passed. The biggest challenge that people face is that they don't have the time, energy, and or interest to keep tabs on all the details of legislation. Many told me they wanted to vote for someone they can trust to fight for their interests. I don't think it's controversial to say that many of the people I met felt a disconnect with the elected officials who were making decisions on their behalf. So how can we create more connection? I can see how there's a ripple effect that occurs when people are running for office, new people, and new people helping out on campaigns. These new groups of candidates and volunteers ask new and important questions because they don't have decades of history in politics. A new group of people can get excited and talk about ballot issues and primary elections in new ways. All of a sudden, the nuance of governance becomes more accessible and integrated into daily life. People are now discussing bills that need support, legislators who need encouragement, and letter writing pushes to activate hesitant elected officials. I can see clearly now that if our democracy is going to evolve to be truly inclusive, including in DC, new people have to be part of the process. So what's the best way to do that? Find candidates who will get folks to jump out of their comfort zone and participate in the election process. Participation could be as simple as registering to vote, door knocking for an hour or two, putting up a yard sign, or donating $25. The number one comment I heard from folks in my district was they were excited to vote for someone they actually knew in real life. That is a ripple effect we can all nourish. We can encourage more people that we know in real life to step up and represent us in the spaces where decisions are being made about our communities. So why would anybody want to run for office? Because new candidates can build stronger connections between neighbors, spur thoughtful conversations about tough issues, and encourage more people to learn about our local and state government. Sounds like a winning formula, no matter who ends up winning on election day. Think about who you'd like to see in office. What new voice could represent your community on a local elected board or in office? Your encouragement might activate a ripple effect that could benefit us all. Thank you, Amy. So last year, in an opinion piece published by the Washington Post, 
Katrina Vanden Heuvel reminded readers that back in the 1990s, leaders on the religious right began to realize that school boards wield an enormous amount of power, both in their control over students' experiences and in the way they can shape the debates that define other races on the ballot. So the Christian Coalition at that time led a campaign to elect as many social conservatives onto school boards as they could. In 1996, Ralph Reed, the Christian Coalition's founder and leader, declared, I would rather have a thousand school board members than one president and no school board members. Today, this writer wrote a year ago, the right is turning its attention back to school boards and the consequences for progressives and students across the country could be dire. By mobilizing conservative candidates to run for school elections and encouraging their base to disrupt public meetings, conservatives are building a strong organizational structure to help them fight culture wars on the ground and seize power from the bottom up. If progressives, she writes, are committed to changing Americans' lives for the better, school boards are centers of power that cannot be ignored. She goes on to say, but voter turnout for school board elections is often just 5 to 10%. And candidates are frequently uncontested, not the case in our county, which means the most engaged voices currently have a disproportionate influence over policy. If we don't encourage and support grassroots candidates with empathetic, inclusive visions, today's most intolerant school board protesters, like Jenny described, will be tomorrow's school board members. So that was from last year. In a more recent piece published in the New York Times, a journalist reminds us that it's not just school board elections whose reach stretches up the ballot and beyond the immediate office to which the candidates are elected. With Congress often deadlocked and conservatives dominating the Supreme Court, state governments increasingly steer the direction of voting laws, abortion access, gun policy, public health, education, and other issues dominating the lives of Americans. And the Supreme Court could soon add federal elections to that list. The justices are expected to decide whether to grant nearly unfettered authority over such elections to state legislatures, a legal argument known as the independent state legislature theory. If the court does so, some say that state legislatures could have a pathway to overrule the popular vote in presidential elections by refusing to certify the results and instead sending their own slates of electors. That's why we are talking about these things today. Why we're talking about the Liberty Act and Howard County Board of Education elections and the efforts to bring newcomers to elected offices at the state level. And also why we're reminding ourselves that races like our county councils and the Columbia Association that have so much influence in the lives of those who live right here in this community. So thank you, Ken and Jenny and Amy for your contributions today already, reminding us of those things. I love that prayer ballot poem with which we opened the service. I'm handed the ballot like a scroll because the questions seem that important. And as that poet reminds us, like any other prayer, to have real impact, our votes require more than marking a ballot in a single election. 
The act in the voting booth is a single act. It's a big act, an act of trust. It grants power and authority to someone who is, after all, only human, who requires ongoing relationship to maintain relevant, meaningful leadership, to lead important change, to not be seduced into complacency. And we know, we have plenty of evidence, that people with different values than our Unitarian Universalist ones, people who sincerely believe that regressive policies are morally good, we know that they will be vigilant in pressuring elected officials once they're in office. So we must also be vigilant on behalf of ourselves and on behalf of the siblings and neighbors whose lives we claim matter to us. I'm reminded of the Equal Justice Initiative leader Brian Stevenson's admonition that we must get proximate, get proximate with people whose lives are different from ours, whose immigration status or wealth or ethnicity or religion is different from ours, whatever mine is, which may be different from yours. And we must use the access that's available to us to invite elected leaders to get proximate with us not to remain in their Annapolis or George Howard Building or Columbia Association offices, but to share time in the neighborhoods and lives of the people they serve, to hear directly the impact of the policies they set, to be reminded that the status quo does not serve the most vulnerable among us, and to remind them once they're elected that they have partners willing to make change and progress alongside them because democracy is not a spectator sport. So let's choose today not to be idle in these times that are calling for us to act. I want to tell you about two specific opportunities in the coming week to deepen your learning and engagement and to increase your impact in our local democracy. Next Sunday, October 23rd, after the worship service, you're encouraged to join our UU The Vote team for a screening of the film Bending the Ark, The Vote. It's a powerful, well-produced account of the prominent role the Unitarian Universalist Church of Birmingham played in the Alabama voting rights struggles. And then after the film, there's going to be a facilitated discussion and then action as participants prepare letters to voters in typically underrepresented areas, encouraging them to vote in this midterm election. So that's next Sunday, a week from today. But before that, on Thursday evening, this Thursday, October 20th, we hope to pack the seats of the Ark and Dove Presbyterian Church in Odenton where we will join with our interfaith partners from across the state of Maryland for an action with gubernatorial candidate Wes Moore and candidate for comptroller Brooke Learman. Their opponents were invited to participate in this action and declined. In recent weeks, leaders from PATH here in Howard County, AIM in Montgomery County, and ACT in Anne Arundel County have been organizing and meeting with Learman and Moore. Thursday night's action isn't going to be probably about figuring out who you will vote for in those two elections, but it's about 
demonstrating to the people who are most likely to be the next governor and the next comptroller that these power organizations in Howard and Montgomery and Anne Arundel counties will be worthy partners once they're actually governing. By filling the room at Ark and Dove Presbyterian on Thursday night, we will exhibit strength, strength that represents how we can provide these leaders with the political will they need to tackle climate justice issues, to create universal pre-K in Maryland, to address the generational racial wealth gap through initiatives like more funding for colleges, for, with baby bonds, which provide low-income children born in Maryland with a savings account that grows over time and that they then as adults can use for things like college, down payment on a home, money to start a business. Each of these issues could be a real game changer in Maryland and PATH, AIM, and ACT actually have on-the-ground relationships to make sure that initiatives like these are made equitably and will make a real difference in people's lives. But the leaders need to know, need to see that power with their own eyes to reinforce that ours is a statewide organization with whom they're gonna wanna work when they're governing. So we need everyone who can be in person to go to Odenton on Thursday evening. It's only 20 minutes from here. Path leaders, including Cynthia Marshall, who's going to raise her hand in case you don't know who Cynthia is, are willing to help you get a ride, arrange carpools. You can attend via Zoom, but if you can be in person, that's preferable. And the, we want the room to be full, and there's going to be music and energy, spoken word. I'm told there's going to be some fun, although the part I'm doing I don't think is particularly fun, but I am going to be speaking that night. Um, and we're going to be doing real politics where candidates will be engaging with us on the issues and setting us up to be co-conspirators with them in Maryland. It's an exciting time. It's also really tempting to be overwhelmed by all the news of elections and governance and politics around the country and the world. So I invite you today to focus where your own actions can make a difference. Spread the word as Ken invited you to about the Liberty Act and vote for question A on your Howard County ballot. Get informed if you're not already about those Board of, Election, um, Board of Education candidates. Be sure to vote all the way down your ballot and include, encourage your family and neighbors to do that. Give money to local candidates. Like Amy said, even $25 helps. Follow along with our UU the Vote effort. They are offering guidance about where your efforts have the greatest impact. Talk to Ken or Jenny or Amy or Gail or others in the congregation and the UUCC The Vote team if you have questions. And show up at Ark and Dove on Thursday evening. All of us need all of us to make it, as Reverend Teresa Ninan Soto reminds us. So let's do our part, whatever we can, however we can. And that way we'll keep our despair at bay. Will you rise and body your spirit and let's sing when the spirit says do, when the spirit says sing, when the spirit says vote. You've got to do when the spirit says do. You've got to do when the spirit says do. When the spirit says do, you've got to 
custom once a month to invite somebody who's active in the congregation to talk about why they invest in this particular community. And Gail's going to speak to that. I'm going to invite the Becks to go ahead and come on up too. You're playing again, I think. After Gail speaks, we're going to hear another gift of music from the Becks. And you are invited to contribute of your financial bounty to the work of the congregation during that time. My name is Gail Holm pronouns, uh, she, her, hers. Uh, my best friend, Al, is with me on Zoom, with all of us on Zoom. Um, and uh, Al and I believe it's important to give to UUCC because members of this community are working to make the world a better place. You stand up against racism and gender discrimination. You feed the hungry, act against climate change, and much more. You defend the democratic process that makes improving the world a possibility. In the past few months, you've written almost 2,000 postcards. Uh, and these have been to registered voters who have been reluctant to go to the polls. You've encouraged them and given them information to make the process more transparent. Our UUCC community couldn't do all of this without our excellent professional staff who empower us with spiritual and logistic support. Al and I give to UUCC because we see that this community strives to make good trouble by making the seven principles of Unitarian Universalism a reality. Thank you.
was standing all alone against the world outside. You were searching for a place to hide. Lost and lonely, now you've given me the will to survive. Cause when we're hungry, love will keep us alive. Don't you worry, sometimes you just gotta let it ride. The world is changing right before your eyes. Now I found you. When we're hungry, love will keep us alive. I would die for you, climb the highest mountain. Baby, there's nothing I wouldn't do. Cause when you're hungry, love will keep us alive. I would die for you. Thank you, Vicki. Thank you, Scott. Will you rise in body or in spirit as our service comes to a close? I offer you words from Dr. Leah Stokes, who's a professor of environmental politics and a seasoned climate policy advisor. These were published in her essay in the book, All We Can Save. And after you hear these words, we will sing together our benediction response. 
and I'll see you next week. She says, our governments, city, state, and federal, can make different choices. This is the story that is not yet finished. These days, I don't just talk to people one-on-one -on -one about how our energy system is driving the climate crisis. I talk to journalists and go on podcasts and give talks in churches, at universities, to politicians. I do as many talks as I can to whoever will hear from me because every conversation has a chance to wake our democracy up. Let's wake up. See you next week. Thank you.